Hello and welcome to Exeter Life, a podcast about the people, places, and events that make up life in Exeter, New Hampshire. I'm Laura Bricker, and Exeter also happens to be my adopted hometown. I've lived here since 1998 and written the Exeter Life column since 2013. The Exeter Life podcast began during the coronavirus pandemic in 2020. This week, Vino e Vivo's new executive chef, Paul Callahan, is getting rave reviews around Exeter, including from me. I'm just going to put that out there. So I took the time to go sit down with Paul recently and find out the secret to his amazing roast duck and just how he got into cooking. I couldn't boil water in high school. That's kind of a true statement. Even though I was in a kitchen since I was 13, my first job was working at a Lebanese restaurant. My best friend at the time, he was from the high-end spectrum of food. I had no knowledge of anything. I went to art school for set designs and fine arts in Atlanta. And then my roommate at the time was from Georgia, so he was already living down there. So when I met with him, he got me a job at this place called Seeger's, okay. which was uh, an Asian place run by Gunther Seeger, who was a German guy. Okay. And so I was just there washing dishes, but it was really amazing because I would go to school, I would learn about, you know, line, color, form, texture, yeah. space, that whole jazz, but then go to work and listen to someone talk about the same thing, but according to food. Yeah. And I just loved how he, he demanded kitchen. So it was... It was interesting because I didn't, I went straight to fine dining. Like, that's kind of what I saw. Oh, like, okay. Because it was like five so stars. you skipped over having to do like pub food, bar food, every other. Yeah, and it was just something so beautiful about it. Okay. And then um, when I came back home. Were you from this area? Yeah, Salem, New Hampshire. Okay. I met with my best friend, Nick, at the time. And again, he was from that world and he was like, you need to work for the Les Boyer group. And uh, I said, okay. So I went. And I fell in love with it. That was that was kind of like the catalyst of getting myself into cooking. And what was it about cooking? Is it just? I mean, there was many uh, attributes. So like being young, one, yeah. it fed you for free. That was yes. kind of always a bonus. <laughs> <laughs> Two, no one really ever talks about this, but there's a, there's an instant self gratification when it comes to cooking, and I think it's kind of lost. You know, I've used it for young cooks to you know inspire them and you know it's to get them to think more positively about themselves and the whole thing so it's it's yeah. intra it's it, it's very yeah. instant like cornbread you take this thing you put the ingredients it's wet you put it in the oven now it's like it's risen it's like hot and it's delicious and as you know that takes 45 minutes and it, you know, that whole transformation i just really love that part so at the end of the day it was more about like self-reward yeah and then from there like once you you get into it and then the whole idea of hospitality, like true hospitality takes over. Yeah. You know, how you treat people, that importance of your guests, that relationship that you build with your farmers, the relationship you build with your, your staff. And it's kind of like the whole, you know, gestalt of it all. It's something you just can't find, you know, in other jobs. So tell me a little bit about your style of cooking as this evolved as you got into being a chef like what emerged as sort of your particular area of interest so i never really put myself in a box of like oh, i want to be a french chef or i want to do italian food or you know i want to do this type of cuisine it was more or less uh, the people i worked for the chefs i worked under 
you know, when I was at the butcher shop in Boston, even though I was working for Barbara Lynch, um, David Reynoso was the chef at the time, and he was, he was from Mexico. And I just learned so much about spices and just different techniques that just carried with, with me till this day. Yeah. And it's just like I said, it's just like learning about just all these different cuisines. And to me, I, I know like, I hate the word fusion, but I just, to me, it's, it's driven on the idea of like, you know, fun flavors, interesting ingredients that's done technically well, that, that has this kind of harmonious thing. So I don't pigeonhole myself into like, you know, one genre of food. I like to, you know, be in the seasons and grab, you know, stuff that's around me that is fun, different. You know. Like the quince? Oh, yeah, like the quince. Yeah, the quince has been a frequent, uh, I was like, it's like a definitely like a fall sort of, <laughs> sort of thing. And I was in on the vine yesterday, I was like, oh, there's a quince. <laughs> <laughs> What brought you here to Vino e Vivo? Kismet. I mean, I was at Brian and Say at Newburyport for three years. Whole COVID thing happened, left. I helped a friend up in Portsmouth kind of do a, a remodel. And I literally was just scrolling on Instagram one day and saw a weird post about having small plates knowing that it was hard to get a table on the patio, we'll soon be there. So I just happened to reach out to Tony and I met him and it was interesting because we never even talked about food or wine, we just talked about hospitality. Oh. And I was sold. Once I saw the space and what he wanted to do and it's kind of everything I've been looking for. It's, it's nice not being dedicated to just go to the city for, you know, to cook good food. It's finally nice to be in a small town and, um, and have people support you. And since you've been here, it has been, as the word has gotten out on the street next door, it's really hard to get a table here now. <laughs> um, like, you know, even if you're a regular, not that I'm a regular or anything, but uh, you can't even, like, you come in, they're like, sorry, we're, all, we're already booked up for the weekend. Yeah, and yeah we're, we're booked tonight, pretty much. Wow. Yeah. So tell me what you've been trying to do with the menu here since you got here. Seasonality, but, like, fun approach to what people would kind of recognize on the menu. Mm-hmm hone it down so it's not too weird for them but make it approachable uh different something where they you know they can't cook at home that's the same things but it's also very interesting like what we sell like what you think would be your best seller for mm -hmm. us it's, it's kind of the opposite oh interesting yeah i mean octopus is like one of our top sellers really oh yeah huh yeah. i haven't ventured into the octopus yet no. <laughs> um. So I want to talk about the wine dinner because I think that's been something that has really taken off mm -hmm. with the food. And so at the wine dinner, you had venison loin. Yep. Now, normally I wouldn't probably, I'd be like, oh, I don't know if I want to try venison. I don't like game. And then also it was a little more rare than I was used to, but I was like, if the chef cooked it this way, this is how it's supposed to be. Yeah. Yeah. So tell me about how you put together the wine dinner and how, like, doing something like that, it feels like it must be for you sort of, like, creatively really fun to put together a menu like that. And Yeah, and I've done, you know, other places wine dinners before, and, you know, they're kind of, I wouldn't say that, never put really thought into it, yeah. obviously this thought, but having someone like Tony kind of really brings it to another level where he truly, truly understands the wines that 
uh, going to be served that night. And he'll give me a list of uh, pros and cons of what will go in each dish. It can just be something as like, you know, venison, blueberries, uh, or an herb or a spice. And then from there, it just gives me kind of like a kind of like an outline of where to start. Mm -hmm. And it's funny because even like the last wine dinner, I mean, the whole thing uh, was not vegetarian friendly. So again, that kind of goes against what you normally see. It's usually like. Uh, you know, this course has to be fish because it's, you know, it has to be raw because it's white wine. It has to be this because it's that. It's, it was more about truly understanding how food and wine can go together. Yeah. And he brings an element that is just, it's, it's truly amazing. Just talking about the acidity or the dryness. And he really will harp on that. So for me, it kind of gives me a, a great outline. And from there, I can kind of create some fun dishes. Yeah, and I, what I loved about it was that we would hear about the wines, but I also liked how you came out and you talked about each course. Yep. And I was really, like the chicken, that was an interesting, tell me about the chicken, because that was an interesting method of, you basically removed the chicken. Yeah, so it was a whole chicken that was deboned, and then you take some of the white meat out and you turn it into a farce or a mousse yeah. uh, with egg whites um, and cream. And then it's stuffed back into the chicken, and then it's like rolled, and it's slow poached. Um, so the, you know, the French have a term for everything. So the galantine is served cold, valentine it would be served hot. Okay. And then from there, that one had to do with the sauce. That was more about the Bernays sauce. I liked the Bernays sauce. Um, so when I Tony again, when Tony and I talked, he was like, "It's you have to have not that you have to, but it was more about like if you have this type of sauce, it really will outline the wine." So I kind of played around. So I started with the sauce and kind of worked backwards for yeah. the chicken being cold. Again, normally you would have you know, fish with white wine. Or, and then the quince was kind of um, the bridge between the sauce and the chicken. Yeah. yeah. No, that was, and the wine that one. And then the second course, we had the venison, which we just talked about. And um, so tell me a little bit about, because venison is something that people, like sometimes people see game and they get a little worried. and. I think it, based on how it was cooked, that's because often it is tough because they cook it too long. Is mm -hmm. that? Yeah, it's almost like uh, venison kind of has that like New York strip kind of yeah. structure where it's so dry that it can carry heat through it faster because there's no fat. Uh, so a lot of times people think they're, they're cooking it to a certain temp, but then they just, it will just keep cooking. And a lot of times it's, it gets to a point where it's, you know, the protein itself is just, it's, it gets chewy, you know. And it's interesting because we do the opposite here when we cook duck. I, yes, and I had the duck the weekend before, yeah. and I really liked it. And, and a lot I of usually times people serve like duck it. medium rare rare. Yeah. We actually serve it more medium because I think, again, it goes to the structure of that protein where uh, it can be more chewy if it's undercooked. With the duck, I also felt like it was... So when I've had duck in the past, it's been way too greasy. Mm -hmm. And this duck was like almost like a tenderloin of duck. What was going on with this duck? <laughs> I mean, no, it was really good. Like, yeah. I was like, I made the right decision this night. Um, well, we do, um, we do, you know, a proper rendering of the fat. It's more about the technique of that. You know, roasting it, we let it rest at least five minutes. And then we like, we, you know, put it back in the oven just to kind of heat it back up. So that was technique based. And the and, seasoning was really like spot on on the duck. It yeah. was really good. Uh, we go a little heavy on the salt and pepper. <laughs> I do too, so yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah, that was good. And, and duck was the third course at the wine dinner here, the duck cassoulet, which was actually like a duck sausage, if I... Yeah, so there was a couple of components. So there was duck confit, and then we made kind of a traditional Italian sausage, cotechino, which is a fall sausage. So usually done with pork. We used duck legs that we broke down, and the main ingredient in that is boiled pig skin. 
So the pigskin has a very certain flavor that is um, just unlike anything else. And then when you cook the, the skin, it gets very tacky. And, then, and that's pretty much what emulsifies the sausage because it's a very, very, very loose, wet sausage. Almost you think that you, it's never gonna, it's just gonna be like sand by the time you cook it, but it okay. actually kind of comes together. And that I also enjoyed because I'm all about little accoutre. I loved that that came in the little pots. Of course, I'm like, I need some of these little cast iron <laughs> baby pots. I'm like, these would be good for cheese. I like, they just, they were, they, it just added to the experience to have these very nice little containers. It, like it was more like- A present. Yes, I yeah. was like, oh, what's in here? Um, and my favorite was the short wear Wellington. Mm. That was, I hope that becomes a regular menu item. Yeah, we'll probably do something very similar with that again. We actually are kind of thinking about what we're going to be doing for the dinner. Yeah. yeah. Even like talking about the little cocottes that you got. Yeah. So we're probably going to be doing a small octopus addition there. That's more oh. like a stew of some sort. Okay. Something else you mentioned during the wine dinner that I thought was, I always love when I hear it, you were foraging for mushrooms. <laughs> um, I'm always really afraid of that because I'm feeling like I'm probably going to either get like a psychedelic mushroom yeah. or something that kills me. So obviously it's a skill. Uh, what do yeah. you enjoy about doing that and then being able to put that on the menu? Well, I like to do it with my kids just to teach them what's out there. A lot more people are foraging and nowadays you can pretty much pick your top five of like what is safe and you know, anywhere from chanterelles, the head of the woods, chicken of the woods. Yeah, it's it's just that time of season that kind of keeps you connected to nature and helps the food cost a little bit. And same thing on the dessert, the ricotta pie. We talked about that that night because there were so many different flavors in there. Mm. And one of the things, so it was ricotta goat cheese in the uh, actual custard kind of portion. Yeah, so traditionally, well, like a standard royale is like eight um, eggs to one quarter cream. That's kind of your basic like foolproof amazing custard if you want to do a quiche it's like amazing um so we added some ricotta a little bit of goat cheese whipped it in there again talking about tony his thing was like a bitter dessert not a sweet dessert so yeah. i started with the chicory coffee because mm -hmm. uh, chicory is a very interesting flavor it's super bitter um, so from there we kind of worked backwards going with the lemon and then something creamy we went with pie and then once you look into the pie, you know, usually there's always lemon in the pies. So we took the lemon out and mm -hmm. turned it into a gel. Yeah. It kind of just brought it together. And I think also, like, again, here you are out in your garden. I loved the little anise. On the, I wanted, like, two more pieces of little anise on the top. I had three, <laughs> and I was like, if I had five, I would be super happy right now. <laughs> Can you see how neurotic I am? Yeah. With, I'm like, oh, five little bites. But it was just such a nice... I was like, that was just such a nice personal touch that you're, you know, not used to seeing mm -hmm. often. Uh, when you're at home and yeah. you're cooking for yourself, like what's your go-to comfort food that you're making in your house? I love cereal. <laughs> <laughs> so you're just like not cooking at your house. <laughs> um, one comfort food. I love grilled cheese with pickles, spicy pickles. I like, I like grilled cheese with a little pickle juice to dip on the side. Oh, ah, interesting. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's um, just that amazing acid in that sandwich is yeah. just great. And that's going to wrap up this episode of Exeter Life. If you'd like to follow me on social media, you can find me at Lara Bricker Author on Facebook or at Lara Bricker on Twitter. 
And if you want more behind the scenes, uncensored Laura around Exeter, you can join the Partners in Crime Patreon feed and listen to the Leave It to Bricker podcast. And I do hope you tune in again to this podcast because I've still got a lot of stories to tell about life in Exeter.